You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes Aaron and Kevo hanging out on this Monday morning at the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe? We continue to talk a little uh, college hoops and a fan and a former coach that we know is fired up about this past weekend. Jack Thigpen joins us for his weekly visit. What up, Coach? How you doing this morning? Good bud? morning. Good morning. Yeah, you're exactly right. I was loving this weekend. It was. I was bug eyed watching. I was talking to John a few minutes ago on the radio. I mean, on the telephone and. Yeah, I just I watched so many of them, and it makes it so much more fun to me when you have the upsets and you have the mid-majors winning and beating the big boys, so to speak, and uh, a lot of that went on for sure. All right, so do you believe this is uh, your most favorite weekend of the year then? Well, yes yes, and no. Uh, it is the most favorite weekend. The only bad part about it is I know it's the end of basketball season coming up, so it's kind of sad in a way because I, I really enjoy basketball. But, uh, yes, it is. It, to me, it's the most exciting weekend uh, of sports. Uh, you know, of course, you've got the Super Bowl and you got this, you got that, World Series and so forth, which are really, really exciting. But, you know, the Super Bowl's one game. Uh, you know, of course, the World Series is, is five out of seven and so forth. But these, you got so many different teams playing and such a short time, so many games going on at the same time, four straight days of it uh, with so many, you know, upsets, and they happen every year. So, yes, as far as a, a weekend and any, any sporting event that lasts for a while, this, to me, I don't think you can beat this. All right, I, I don't want to get you too agitated this morning, but I want to take you to a point because you've said <laughs> it over and over and over again that these mid-major schools do not get the recognition that they deserve. And then, of course, you sit down and you watch these games play out. Uh, it kind of proves your point a little bit. Well, it does. And, and you know, if you look back, uh, I think this year maybe more so than some years, but every year you have upsets of mid-majors beating these uh, big-time programs. Some years it happens more than it does other years. This one was a exceptional year, and that, that happening, the lower seats winning. But, you know, then we go back, and the next year they select the teams, and the same thing happens over and over. And You know, every year you think, well, maybe the selection committee people will realize that there are a lot of mid-major schools that can, can beat these big-time guys, and they need to get more mid-majors in the, pro, in the tournament. But the next year it happens the same way all over again. But it is fun to watch these mid-majors win, and there certainly were a lot of them. Uh, this particular year that that won, and that to me that just uh, again continues to prove the point. And uh, I heard one of the announcers make a statement, and I thought I thought it was really good. He said, and I forget who he was talking about. He may have been talking about Loyola Chicago. I'm not real sure. Mm-hmm. Can't remember for sure. But he said that is a mid-major conference team, but it's not a mid-major basketball team. He said that that team is as good as any of the you know the big big guy guys. And you know that happens a lot. We get we get these teams categorized because of the conference they play in uh, as mid majors, and we don't think that they're as good as the the big the big major schools. But a lot of times, just because they're in a mid major conference, doesn't really mean they're a mid major team. They're, they're a team that's just as good as uh, as some of the big guys. And I thought that was really good to what he said. All right, Jack. Just a plethora of upsets, and now as you kind of look back on the weekend. What were some of your favorite moments? Well, of course, the, the uh, UMBC, who, you know, I thought I'd heard of every college team in the country. When they <laughs> kept talking about UMBC, I had no idea who they were talking about. I had to come back here to my computer to look it up to find out who UMBC was. And then beating Villanova, uh, you know, certainly that was, uh, you know, a great uh, point. And then Loyola Chicago winning those two games. And I just love the way Loyola Chicago plays. they got so much movement and they're a team, you know, everybody's scoring, everybody's playing. It's not that one big star. I really enjoyed watching those guys play and the way they played. And I, and I probably those two games uh, kind of stand out to me. Uh, Marshall, Marshall beating Wichita State, you know, I, I really enjoyed that. Of course, Marshall got, got handed to him pretty good last night with West Virginia, but I really enjoyed that Marshall upset of Wichita State, and a lot because they're a Conference USA team. Uh, so I... And, and, and really, at Oklahoma, I, I, the more I think about it and the more I look at my bracket, the more things kind of come to my mind. You know, uh, I kind of didn't think Oklahoma should have been in the beginning, 
and uh, Rhode Island comes in and beats them the first game, which kind of proved my point there. So there were a lot of games that uh, that really piqued my interest, and I really did enjoy. You mentioned uh, Marshall and, of course, uh, Conference USA. Uh, so at some point you're rooting for Conference USA because it ultimately makes Louisiana Tech look better. Oh, yeah, no no question. And, you know, you're familiar with them. You know, I, Marshall did not come to Ruston this year, which I'm sorry they didn't because they were really fun to watch. But I did get a chance to watch them play uh, there in the conference tournament in Frisco and, and just really enjoyed them. And they've got a lot of good players. And, and uh, you kind of root for a team, like you say, that's in your conference uh, and, and that you're a little more familiar with. And so that, that was one reason I was really pulling for Marshall. And, and you know, really – uh, again, we go back to the fact that really Middle Tennessee was probably the best team in our conference. Now, Middle mm-hmm. Tennessee did get beat by Marshall. Marshall did beat Middle Tennessee twice this year. So you kind of, you know, make a case for Marshall being the best team. But overall, I thought Middle Tennessee was probably the best. But Marshall was right up there, and uh, it was fun to watch them win. All right, Jack, I heard uh, Clay Travis making this uh, argument or trying to make the case that this morning on my way in that this isn't ultimately the best way to decide a national championship in college basketball. Do you agree or disagree with that? You said it, it is or it was not. It is not. Well, how else do you do it? I mean, no, I think you've got to do it. I think you've got to put it out on the court and, and let them play and, and see who's the best. And, uh, you know, a lot of times the best teams don't always win. You know, a team gets upset or whatever, and over the course of the year, you know, and that's kind of – the argument that you have as far as conference tournaments are concerned. You take the course, the whole course of the year and somebody finishes first in their conference and they go to a conference tournament and they get upset. Well, who is the best team? Is it the team that uh, throughout the course of the year or is it the team that got hot and won that conference tournament? And, you know, that happens a lot. But, no, I, I definitely think that uh, you've got to put them out on the court. And that's one thing that I really like about this tournament. You're talking about one of the greatest sporting events, uh, you know, you, you football, you know, you got four teams. That, and used to, you, you didn't have anybody. It was voted on, you know, who was the best college football team. And then they take two teams and let them play. And now you got four teams. But, you know, who's to know that the fifth team or the sixth team may have ended up winning had they had an opportunity to play. But so here, you know, you get 64 teams and there's 68, I guess, actually, and let them play it out on the court. And uh, I really think it's a, it's a – the best way to do it to determine the champion. And again, the team that wins it may not be the best team overall throughout the course of the year, but they were for this weekend. All right, Jack, you look at uh, the 16 teams remaining. Of course, there are still some blue bloods in there. When you look at Kansas and Duke, even though they're, they're in the same region, you got Villanova and then you got a couple other regions, especially that south region where there's not a number four team, top four seed left. Uh, of the 16 left, who do you like right now as well as the, looking at how well they've played so far in the tournament? Well, I'm going to tell you how good I am at picking. You know, I'm pretty good. I know this stuff pretty backwards and forwards, and I picked four, my top uh, final four picks. Three of them have been beat. So that's how good <laughs> I am. I had Arizona, Xavier, Michigan State, and Villanova in the final four. One of them's left. Uh, so I guess I'll have to still go with Villanova since I originally picked them. Um you know, I think Michigan's playing real good. Of course, you can't uh, you can't disregard Kansas. You know, they're they're always they're always there. Um, you know, gosh, I don't know. I, I just think in uh, in some of these brackets, it's just a toss up. It, it's just hard. Uh, I, I really like the way West Virginia played last night. I'd seen them play a few times during the course of the year, and I really thought they were on top of their game. I'd be interested to watch them and Villanova play. Even though, like I said, I got Villanova coming out of there. Um, and again, I think probably Michigan, uh, Kansas, Kansas may be in there uh, again. So it's going to be hard to know which one of these teams. It's, it's just a toss-up. It's hard for me to determine who's going to win. Be honest with you, Jack. From a guy that of course supports and roots for our local universities, and, and you see what a win in the NCAA tournament can mean for programs and of course schools. I mean, all you got to do is you look at University of Maryland, Baltimore County, and what that meant for them, and of course their legacy now. Can you only imagine what it would be like for us to get a team in the tournament and then perhaps pulling off one of these epic upsets? Oh, yeah, it, it was wonderful. And, and, you know, if you remember, uh, back Louisiana Tech uh, got into the got in the NCAA tournament. Of course, they got in several times. But, you know, back in, uh, I guess it was 84-85, uh, they made it to the Sweet 16, and that was kind of one of my little blasts in the past. If, if we had time to mention a little bit of it today, they, they went in the first round and beat Pittsburgh. Uh, second game, they beat Ohio State and went to the Sweet 16. 
and then they lost to Oklahoma on a last-second shot in overtime. Uh, Wayman Tisdale from Oklahoma, the great Wayman Tisdale, he sadly passed away several years ago, shot one at the buzzer with a score tied, and it hit the rim and just kind of rolled around the rim. Seemed like it stayed on there for five minutes and finally dropped mm-hmm. through the basket. And had not had that not happened, we'd have played another overtime. So, you know, it, it, it can happen. And that, that was, of course, arguably the best team in Louisiana Tech's history. And uh, what great, uh, you know, excitement it was around Ruston and Louisiana Tech at that point. You got another blast from the past for us, Jack? Well, I was looking at it. We talking about how hard it is to get in the NCAA tournament, and really even the NIT for that matter. And Tech has not been in the NCAA tournament in 26 years. I really didn't look up ULM. I probably should have. They were in it for several years. But it's been 26, since, 26 years since Louisiana Tech went in. But during that, there was a nine-year stretch from 1983-84 season to the 91-92 season, those nine seasons that Louisiana Tech went in the postseason play every year. They went to five NCAA tournaments and four NIT tournaments in that nine-year stretch. And what a what a great stretch of, of teams that was at Louisiana Tech. It started in 83-84, as I mentioned. They were 26-7 and on the year. They got to the NCAA tournament. They went to Memphis. They lost to Houston that year, 50, uh, excuse me, 77-69 in the first round. They had, guys who remember this team, Carl Malone, uh, Rennie Bailey, who was from Minden, Wayne Smith from Shreveport, Willie Simmons from New Orleans, and Allen Davis from Shreveport, uh, from Washington High School here in Monroe. All five of those guys right here in Louisiana. The very next year, as I mentioned, in 84-85, they went back to the NCAA. They were 29-3. and Rennie Bailey was a senior on the first year. He was the only one that was a senior. Everybody else came back. A guy named Robert Godbow replaced Rennie Bailey in the starting lineup. And as I mentioned, they beat Pittsburgh, beat Ohio State in Tulsa, then went to Dallas and lost that game to Oklahoma. And next year in 85-86, Tommy Joe Eagles actually took over. Andy Russo was a coach those first two years I was talking about. He left and went to Auburn. I mean, went to Washington. I'm sorry. Went to Washington. Tommy Joe Eagles came in took over. 85-86, 85-86, and went to the NIT, ended up going to the Final Four in the NIT in Madison Square Garden. They beat Northern Arizona and McNeese the first two rounds of the NIT. Then the NIT sent them to Providence. They beat Providence 64-63, which sent them to the Madison Square Garden for the Final Four. They lost to Ohio State that year, 79-66. But at that time, they had a third-place game in the NIT, and they beat Florida in the third-place game, 67-62. So they ended up third place in the NIT. A lot of those same guys, but Carl Malone was gone. He had Robert Godbow, Willie Bland, Wayne Smith, Lewis Cook came in and played on that team. Then the next year, the second year of Tommy Joe Eagles' reign in 86-87, they went back to the NCAA. Uh, they were 22-8 and on the year they played – DePaul in the Rosemont Horizon in Chicago, where DePaul played their home games. They got beaten at 76-62 to in that game, and again, back in the NCAA. Then 87-88, the next year, they go back to NIT. They beat Little Rock, Arkansas Little Rock, the first game, then lost to Connecticut at Connecticut, 65-59. to And then this was a different team. They had Randy White out of Shreveport, Byron Newton from West Monroe, Brett Gilry from Lake Charles, Kelvin Lewis from Gibson Coleman, and Eldon Bowman from Gramlin made up the starters. Then the next year, they go back to the NCAA in 88-89, played at Nashville, played at uh, uh, Vanderbilt. They beat LaSalle, then lost again to Oklahoma in the second round. Uh, Randy White again was on the team. Anthony Dade from Ruston was a starter. Daryl Knight, Byron Newton again, Brett Gilry. Then... Tommy Joe Eagles left after that year, went to Auburn. Jerry Lloyd takes over. The first year he's there, they go to the NIT. They lost to Vanderbilt in overtime. Then the second year of Jerry Lloyd's reign, 90-91, they went back to the NCAA and lost to, Lake, uh, to Wake Forest. Uh, if they played that one in Atlanta. And you had Anthony Day, P.J. Brown, who we all know went to the NBA. Ron Ellis, whose son plays over at Ravel. Roosevelt Powell. Um, um, Rainey Mason from over Captain Shreve and Shreveport were the starters. And then they ended their, that nine-year stretch the next year, 91-92, when they went to the NIT and lost at New Mexico. 
90 to 84. So what a great nine-year stretch that was. And, uh, you know, it's, it was hard to hard to duplicate that, but probably the best nine-year stretch in any of these schools' history, particularly mid-majors around in Louisiana. Well, Jack, that leads to a question then. And we looked at the NCAA tournament this year, and there was not a Louisiana squad in the tournament. What needs to be done to get, uh, you know, not just one, but a couple of them into March Madness every year? You know, I, I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think a lot of, if you look back on these years, as I mentioned going through there, a lot of these were Louisiana players. Louisiana was able to keep good players in the state of Louisiana. Louisiana was turning out exceptional players at that time. There were Louisiana players on Louisiana college schools all, you know, all over the state, and they were excellent players, as good players as they are anywhere in the country. Right now, they, there's not that many school, not many uh, good Louisiana players. The ones that are good seem to be going out of state. A lot of them are. Uh, so I think that's one of the problems. Uh, but to be honest and put just your finger and say, this is the problem, I don't really know for sure what it is. But back in these days, it wasn't just Louisiana Tech. I mean, you know, a lot of times, I remember one year, and I, I can't remember right off the top of my head what year it was, it was like four teams from Louisiana that were in the NCAA tournament. You know, I think Tech was in it, uh, LSU was in it, maybe New Orleans, ULL. I, I can't remember exactly the schools, but I remember one time we had four schools in the NCAA tournament all from Louisiana. So it has happened in the past, but it's been a long, long time since it's happened. And to give you one one reason why, I just don't know. It's, it's kind of a mystery. Well, enjoy the hoops this week, Jack. Uh, we'll yell at you next Monday. Thank you. I appreciate it. I always enjoy it. Coach Jack Thigpen, uh, basketball historian there for us. Yeah, I, you know, he's one of those guys that when he's on just the knowledge uh, that he drops, I mean – I, I can think of a thousand questions I'd like to ask him, Aaron, but I never do. He's just one that's better just let talk and <laughs> me just shut up and, and learn something. But, you know, I look back at what he was talking about, and in 85, they beat Tech beat number 12 Pittsburgh, not just beat them, 78 to 54, and then number four Ohio State, 79-67. So they won in convincing fashion. And just go to YouTube and, of course, look at the shot from Wayman Tisdale. Ugh. It is a heartbreaker, to say yes. the least. We had a conversation with Carl Malone a couple of years ago back when they had a, the reunion of that squad. He talked about the fact that he still thinks about that shot and, of course, that game a lot. That's a heartbreak. I can imagine. So, I mean, I don't have any, you know, we're, we're not talking sports, but there are moments in my life that I look back and think, Man, what would have happened if that would have taken place? So I can't imagine moments like that for, for these men. 888-993-7762. It's the Stuart Shelby State Farm hotline slash text line. The Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7. Back after this. Welcome back to the Morning Drive. Aaron and Kevo hanging out on this Monday morning in the Caldwell Banker Group 1 Realty Studio in West Monroe. I love little Twitter feeds, and, of course, uh, when you have an athletic department that uh, has a active Twitter account, uh, UMBC, the Retrievers, made quite a name for himself, of course, uh, with that opening round upset of Virginia. But uh, whoever was in charge of their Twitter account, he was pointing on, too. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was pretty good. Uh, Seth Davis, uh, of course, a basketball analyst, right at the beginning of the game, he uh, tweets out, Virginia, period, Sharpie, period. Uh, who's ever running UMBC's uh, Twitter account then fires right back? Hi, everyone. In case you didn't see it, Seth Davis tweeted this one out a minute into the game. Tell at Seth Davis hoops who sharpied in Virginia at tip that we said, what's up? <laughs> then he continued, what? of course, throughout the game. The hey, hell? Seth, remember, you declared the winner at the tip. We're up by 14 with four minutes to go. This dialogue continued uh, throughout the game, just taking uh, random shots. And of course, a national analyst that gave them no chance as the number 16 seed knocking off the number one seed. Well, Love it. Not, I mean, none of us gave them a chance. Yeah. As we, I, I've been going through a text message here with one of our listeners, and I, I didn't. I assumed they were the golden retrievers. I did not know hmm. they're just retrievers. And in the past, they've used the Chesapeake, Chesapeake Bay retrievers. So I, I didn't even know who the mascot was. I saw a retriever, and I just thought golden retriever. I'm learning some stuff about UMBC, more than I ever thought I would know. And with all that said, now their run has come to an end. They put up a major fight last night, but ultimately closing minutes could not win. Their dream season comes to an end. 
they say dream season, their dream run. Yeah, yeah, it was, and, and it was Tommy that was pointing out the uh, the mascot, and it was it was still. I mean, they've trademarked now the sixteen over. Well, they're one. working on it. They said it'll take okay. a, uh, it may take up to a year for the sixteen over to the one. They tried to get a Retriever Nation trademarked. Right. So ultimately, they saw an opportunity and they yeah. tried to cash in immediately. They said typically the bookstore would have been closed over the course of the weekend. They said, "Oh, not for this weekend." Right. And I'm telling you, I. It, it, I I have a feeling sometime today I'm going to jump online and buy some sort of UMBC something just because, just because it's mm. it's something that we as sports people will always will always remember this. Mm. We'll be talking about this next year. Mm. And of course uh, now who do you jump on board is the Cinderella squad. It's got to be Loyola Chicago, correct? Yeah, Loyola Chicago, I think is Nevada even I mean are they worthy but yeah Loyola Chicago is I agree the the big and Sister Jean, and it's that's a cool story, man. It's hard for me to get on Nevada though when you bring in that many transfers. That and that's it's, it's very good point. I hadn't thought about that, so yeah, good point. Uh, a lot of different headlines from the past weekend, and of course, we haven't talked about uh, NFL football that much so far in this show. Free agency does continue. I wouldn't say there was a lot of breaking or developing news along that front, but a lot of now analysis on. What moves have been made so far and who the winners and losers are, Kevo? Uh, I tell you who right now, like it or not, I know what everybody thinks. But right now, I'll tell you somebody's winning free agency is the Cleveland Browns. Mm. They are winning in free. That doesn't mean it's going to translate to any wins on the field. But, uh, I mean, they are, like always, they're a quarterback short. But Tyrod Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Bradford, or not Sam Bradford, uh, Kirk Cousins just signed a mega deal, mm-hmm. mega deal. And he's 24 and 20 in, in right. his tenure in the league. Tyrod Taylor is 23 and 22. It's not like they're that far off when you look at records. Now, product on the field, I think, don't you just think Kirk Cousins is better? But his whole contract's guaranteed. And I, the Cleveland Browns, are a franchise quarterback away of taking – It's they're close, Eric. Wow. I think they're close, man. I mean, Jarvis Landry's an upgrade. If Josh Gordon can stay off the sticky icky That's a big if. That's big if, if he can stay off that ooey stuff. I mean, man, they – and but just, you know, the, the downside is just when you think you're doing good, your best player goes and retires in Joe Thomas. So mm. that was kind of a – and then ex-LSU running back Jeremy Hill goes to New England – Along, you know, so that's that's two years in a row now that Cincinnati has lost good running backs to New England, where they will probably go on and win Super Bowls and AFC championships and all that. There was some news in terms of the draft order as the Jets uh, move their way up the the list. Uh, they make a blockbuster trade with the Colts. They'll put them in better position, of course, yeah. for perhaps get a potential franchise quarterback. They moved up three spots to number three. They send the number six overall pick and two second-round choices from this year, which I think was the 37th and 49th pick, and a second-rounder in 2019 to the Colts. So they gave up a lot to move up to try to find their next quarterback. Yeah, uh, and you you got to wonder what Buffalo is going to do now. They're sitting there with the 13th overall. They traded with Cincinnati. They just traded first-round draft pick. Cincinnati got a left tackle. And they traded 21st and 13th picks. Mm. Okay. So Buffalo just acquired A.J. McCarron in free agency, who I don't believe he's the answer at quarterback anywhere. So I'm looking for Buffalo to try and move up again with somebody to draft one of those quarterbacks. I just think that's going to happen. And some would look at the Jets and say, well, you just spent $10 million to re-sign Josh McCown for one year, and then also you bring in Teddy Bridgewater, Yeah. and you're like, well, what? they were enamored with him for a week or so. Yeah, so what do you do? I mean, yeah. if you're the Jets, do you draft, do you try to jump in there and get uh, the, the running back out of uh, Penn State on why? Yeah. Uh, why is his name? Saquon Barkley. Saquon, thank you. Barkley, do you jump in there and try to do that, or do you, you, uh, do you – Create a Minnesota Vikings from last year, three quarterbacks. And, and not to mention, you saw where McCown signed his $10 million deal, mm-hmm. 
in the Chick-fil-A parking lot waiting on his chicken minis. I like it. There, I do, there, too, man. not a problem. A man of the people. Maybe he was by in you know, hometown of Jacksonville, I, Texas. I agree. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Sammy Watkins getting, I mean, I don't understand that deal. I don't understand how Sammy Watkins is getting three years. I mean, the guy's 24 years old. So when this deal ends, he's 27, mm-hmm. and he's only played one complete season. Mm-hmm. And he's the fourth highest paid uh, wide receiver in the league. I mm. just don't don't get it, man. Other, of course, uh, deals that perhaps you scratch in your head. Uh, the amount of money Malcolm Butler got to go to the Titans. You mentioned Cousins and the eighty-four million over three years. Uh, Danny, Danny Amendola probably seeing the handwriting on the wall with the Patriots, or perhaps this was his opportunity to cash in at the age of uh, thirty-three for him yep. to sign that two-year deal with the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did that shock you? I mean. A little bit, just you know, considering what he has meant to New England, so, yeah. And then, but I mean, if you can bump it up from what he's making, uh, with two million a year to you know, what I think eight million of it was guaranteed. That's for right, yeah. So it's the curious future. I mean, he did the guy had to do the right thing, and then I believe uh, we all hopefully agree with this. I believe Drew Brees. I read an article, couldn't agree more with. He did New Orleans Saints a solid. Based on what Cousins got mm-hmm. and based on what even Jimmy Garoppolo has gotten mm-hmm. from San Francisco, Breeze could have easily fielded phone calls from other teams and got that kind of money on a two-year deal. And it, by no means is that man with crying poverty. Let's mm-hmm. not get crazy. But he did do that organization a solid. Uh, you know, it just goes to show. I mean, Bree, it's millions. We know, I know that. But he's still a class act. He could have. He could have easily fielded phone calls and went for the payday. And well, he mentioned the say. fact that you know there were other deals out yeah, there, and of course yeah. they're guaranteed a two-year, sixty million dollar deal. But uh, he is staying with the Saints. And, and good thing too. Uh, that, barring what happened over the, I believe it was Thursday or Friday when, when Mr. Benson died, the worst thing in the world that that could have happened for that franchise. Uh, that that would have been absolutely disastrous. Disastrous, and we talked on the show the other day, Aaron. And I know how we can go down these wormholes, but but you know when you think about Miami not signing Breeze, mm-hmm. that you know they went with Culpepper. Mm-hmm. Think about how different New England's future, you know, past would have been had Miami signed that man. You know, and it just he means so much. He reminds me of the he's the Greg Maddox of football. Mm. And then, of course, ultimately what it meant for uh, Nick Saban and his future in the NFL. And then ultimately, of course, getting back into the college ranks. Yeah, I mean, it's just funny all how the all different that dominoes. That's right, man. 888-993-7762. It's the Stuart Shelby State Farm hotline slash text line. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, Nick White, the voice of the Warhawks, joins us on the morning drive. Keep your car spotless with the Rocket Fast Unlimited Wash Pass. For as little as $19.95 per month, you can wash your car as often as you want. And while you're there, you can always enjoy our free vacs. The Fast Pass is good at all seven Rocket Fast locations, from Monroe to Shreveport, including our newest at I-49 and Piermont Avenue. Rocket Fast, the fast and easy way to wash your car. Whatever car you're looking for, Whatever the price for how many doors, cars, trucks, and SUVs, the king of the road, car king. We treat you like royalty. We earn your trust and loyalty. You'll be wearing the crown and you'll start to sing. The king of the road, the king of the road, car king. Introducing Taylor Heat and Air. Our technician, Matt Taylor, has many years of heat and air conditioning experience, replacements, repairs, or maintenance of your home or business comfort systems are our specialty. Please call 318-245-4362. That's 318-245-4362. Taylor Heat and Air, 318-245-4362. And let us earn your business. Louisiana owned, fully insured. Mark Taylor, owner, who dat? 
Are your legs tired and weak? Are you able to walk less than you used to or want to? How about sore, achy feet at the end of the day? These symptoms could be peripheral arterial disease or PAD. When in doubt, please check it out. Call a heart, lung, and vascular clinic location near you today to schedule an appointment. 329-1900. Dr. Borders has clinics in West Monroe, Monroe, and Winsboro and offers outpatient vascular procedures for your care and convenience. Call the Heart, Lung, and Vascular Clinic today, 329-1900. Now let's get back to the sports on the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Car King and Monroe. Welcome back to the morning drive. Aaron and Kevo hanging out on this Monday morning, eventful weekend to say the least. A guy that's been on the road and had a memorable weekend, that being yeah. Nick White. What's up, Nick White, the voice of the Warhawks? What's up, Nick? <laughs> good, good morning, guys. How are y'all? Uh, I was probably not like you because we well, had completely yeah. different weekends. But uh, I wasn't close to a TV for majority of the weekend, so it was odd to say the least. And I know you were calling games, you were traveling throughout. How different was that or how weird was that, the fact that this is an opening weekend that you certainly enjoy as one of the best of the year? Well, um, let me tell you, uh, thankfully, I guess there was, uh, a postponement on, uh, or yeah, postponement on, on Friday night uh, of baseball, or else I probably would have missed the the greatest upset in NCAA tournament history, and and maybe uh, one of the top five greatest upsets of all time in UMBC beating Virginia. So uh, so thank you uh, for for Mother Nature for, uh, for creating a downpour in Mobile, Alabama. And uh, sending me to the Hampton Inn in Mobile uh, to be able to watch, and, and 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 I'm so glad that that game was not on True TV, or I would have missed it as well because yeah. that hotel did not have True TV. So, wow. hey, so you you think it should be ranked up there in the top five of greatest sports upsets of all time? Of all time, absolutely. It's a 16 beating a one. It's never happened. Yeah, it's it's not it's not even in question. It is. This is tremendous, guys. I mean, this is this is monumental. This is something that people said would never happen. This is stuff that you know on the selection show and all the shows leading up. I mean, this will never happen. This will never happen in our lifetime, and it happened. And I mean, I'm sitting there watching it, and um, you know, at halftime it's twenty-one, twenty-one, and we've all seen this happen. We've seen, you know these games be close and and we all are thinking the same exact thing all right virginia's going to regroup they're going to rally bennett's going to light them up at halftime and they're going to come out and they're going to storm and and they're going to go and and just take this thing and boy umbc um they came out and they hit those shots they got it by eight time time out and, and they just kept playing their game and so many times you see Teams in that situation, they tighten up. They, they get away from their game. They, they don't they, – they, they kind of take the air out of the basketball. They didn't do that at all. They just said, we're going to play our game. We're going to show them that we belong here, and uh, we're going to take this thing. And they never let up, and uh, they just smacked them in the mouth. And, I mean, it's not just that. It was it was a beatdown. I mean, they beat, they beat the overall number one seed by 20 points. I mean, that that's unheard of. That's tremendous. So – um, I was just sitting there just stunned watching that. So uh, kudos to them. And then, uh, you know, the, the thing for them to do is, is come back and, and really lay an egg. And I don't think they did last night. Uh, I didn't think they would win the game. Uh, I, I, I thought they would come in and get blown, get the doors blown off of them last night. And, I mean, that, that's a one-possession game going into, what, the final two minutes last night against K-State. And, um, you know, they played their tails off. So, uh uh, what a performance for, for UMBC, and uh, and it goes back to, you know, we can talk about football all we want, and I love football. We are in a football country, but the, the more that we can understand in our area, if we get behind basketball and understand that week right there is where you can make your money and where you can make your mark as a university. I, I can't wait to see the economic impact studies on UMBC for that one win. It's going to be mind-blowing what, what that one win will do for that university. Mind-blowing. Way more impact than a bowl win in the Dollar General Bowl or the Independence Bowl or anything like that. Way more impact than that could ever do for you. So 
You know, find well, a way to get that. behind basketball, find a way to get behind it. And uh, March Madness is where the money's at, guys. And uh, if you can find a way to get behind hoops around here, uh, you're sitting on a gold mine. You really are. Well, you just look at the, the bookstore and the reports, of course, in the 24 hours following that win that they sold two times the amount during that 24 hours than they sold the entire previous year. <laughs> Bingo. That's all you need. And, and just wait for this week. They, the, the, look at the crowd that was there last night compared to two nights before. I mean, it, it, and they're, they're in a good metro area, too. I mean, they're in Baltimore. They're, they're in that region. I mean, they're Baltimore County, at least. And so they're, they're in a, you know, the D.C., Baltimore area. Uh, the money's about to start flowing to that area, and uh, good for them. They're opening up a uh, – boy, talk about perfect timing. They're opening up a, a new arena uh, they're going to get naming rights, I imagine, now for that arena because of that win. Mm. Um, it's just – it's amazing what March can do for a university. And if we can understand that and grasp that and and realize that – I know we're so football-centric, and I love football. I'm not saying we shouldn't pump money into football. I'm, I'm the complete opposite. Pump money into football, but pump it into men's basketball as well. And let's get that stuff up, and let's get teams to this tournament, and let's see our teams go and do what UMBC did, what Loyola is doing. And you'll see the money start really flowing into your athletic departments. I'm telling you, it's the absolute truth. One final thing about that, and, of course, we mentioned the article last week, and we talked uh, before about these upsets. Everybody says, yeah, merchandise, money, such things like that are important. But then also you look at – name recognition, and then also the number of applicants that then start applying at some of these schools, then ultimately that pays big dividends down the road. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not just – it's not an athletic thing. It's a university thing. It's uh, – people now – kids are going to want to start looking at what who, – who is UMBC? Florida Gulf Coast. Oh, Florida Gulf Coast is on the beach? Well, sign me up. I want to go to school there. Um, you know, put, put me in the mix there. Oh, Loyola is in Chicago. That's, that's, I've been there, by the way. I want to talk about them in a moment and, and the power of the CBI and what that can do for your program. Let's not forget what Loyola did a few years ago winning the CBI. I firsthand witnessed what, what they did and have the power of what that tournament can do for a program as well. Uh, let's see them propel to the Sweet 16 now under Porter Moser. So um, let, let's all, all these critics and all these people who want to, you know, bag on basketball around here and you know, bag on maybe these tournaments and all these things like that. Um, there are some big-time positives that, that are behind it. And it's about time that in our area uh, we get behind it as well, support it, pump money into it. And, um, and, and by the way, you spend money on it, you're going to make your money back ten times over. Mm. All right, Nick, beat, uh, beat the drum for the mid-majors and, of course, uh, Loyola of Chicago. We need more of them. We need more of them. Uh, it, it, it's a shame, and... You know, the beauty of the tournament is they get the opportunities to play them on a neutral court, and that's the difference. And and it almost, on that neutral court, it actually almost turns into a home court advantage for the quote-unquote mid-majors or the underdogs. And so uh, the, the, the big boys get a little taste of their own medicine there, of what they, they dish out. And look, you know, they've earned the right to go and, and, and you know, have the – the cash cachet of, of the money that they have to be able to go and buy games. That's what happens. That, that, that is what it is. I have no problems with that. But that that's the power of the NCAA tournament as well. And that's why um, I love it because you get the opportunity to see uh, Marshall go and do what they did to Wichita State. You get to see what Loyola uh, gets to do now and go to the Sweet 16. Uh, you know, Nevada gets an opportunity to go to the Sweet 16. Uh, they took down a, a powerhouse in Texas. I mean, what's a bigger powerhouse than Texas out there? Um, and, and they took them down the other night. And um, I wish we had more of them. Sadly, we won't. Uh, we'll, we'll see that number continue to decline because, uh, unfortunately, um, this, this is still about the, the Benjamins. And, um, you know, we're going to see uh, fewer and fewer of these teams uh, get in there. So uh, you got to put more of an emphasis 
on the uh, on the conference tournament and finding ways to get your best teams into the NCAA tournament so they can go and, and do just this and uh, provide some great moments here at the beginning of the tournament. And, Nick, unfortunately, it's the nature of the beast. And then you have a school a couple of years ago in Little Rock with Chris Beard, and ultimately the success they have, they get into the tournament. Uh, he leaves for greener pastures, and now he finds a home in Texas Tech, and he's a very good coach, and he's got him in the Sweet 16. Yeah, he, he's outstanding. That, that's the other thing. There are great coaches <laughs> that, that they, they, they get their time to shine on this stage. I love it. I think it's great. That, that's, that's okay with me. Um, the, the, thing, the thing, the sad part is, not sad, but, but you have to have the proper structure in there to be prepared to go and make proper hires. An example, Chris Beard goes in there, he flips that thing at Little Rock, but he bounces out. They promote West Flanagan from within. They think everything's okay. Two years later, Little Rock wins seven games. They fire him, okay? Mm-hmm. So now they're searching again. So you have to have – you got to understand you're going to win and you're going to have a coach that's going to get out of there. So you have to have the proper system in place to be able to go and replace coaches and understand it's not a bad thing for them to win and get out. That's a good sign of your program, but you have to have the proper structure in place uh, to be able to – um, replace them and sustain the success that you've been able to get. Hmm. But they're a great coach. There are some unbelievable coaches that uh, get their time to shine out there, and um, I'm just glad to, to be able to see them get that opportunity. Andy Enfield got that at at, uh, at Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, others have, have gotten that opportunity. And uh, the NCAA tournament makes coaches, makes their careers. And whenever you go and you do something in this tournament, pretty much got a job for the rest of your life unless you have some sort of scandal. So uh, we'll see if that propels the same way for Odom at UMBC. He seems like he's got a pretty good head on his shoulders, though, and uh, we'll see if they come flocking after him after one win or if he stays and tries to build something there with the Retrievers. All right, Nick, let's talk a little college baseball for just a couple minutes. Uh, ULM able to salvage a game there in Mobile. A uh, big difference of getting swept and walking out of there at least with one win. It's been a tough stretch for them. What does this week look like for the Warhawks? Well, first off, uh, yeah, it's a huge difference uh, driving home a- after a win. And, and, and that was impressive because they came out there. They, they lost two tough ones on Saturday. They spent nearly 12 hours there at the ballpark. It was really ridiculous the way things were handled, to be quite honest with you, on Saturday. Um, we're supposed to start a doubleheader at 3 o'clock. We really should have played at 10 o'clock and gotten that thing over with. There wasn't a drop of rain out there that happened. Um, we all have the technology nowadays to be able to figure this thing out. And, um, you know, I'm sitting there saying, okay, you know, there's potential for rain at 3 o'clock. It's not raining at 10. We should play at 10. Um, but nonetheless, we get out there at, at, I guess, around 1245 or so to start getting ready. And, you know, everything's set to go. And, and literally, uh, right before we're supposed to hit the air, um, they say, oh, there's a there's a storm cell in the vicinity. Uh, we're not going to start play. All right, so we're going to start at 3.30. Okay, so guys are just standing around, waiting, waiting, waiting. Uh, literally five minutes before I'm supposed to hit the air again. Oh, no, we're going to play at 4 o'clock. Oh, okay. Uh, all right, well, you know, everything's good to go. Uh, five minutes before everything's going to go you know, again. Nope, no, we're, we're bumping it back to 4.30. And at this point, you can see Coach Federico is getting frustrated down there as well. He has no control over this. And the reason why they don't want to do anything, they don't want to start a game and give it over to the umpires. Because once a game starts, then it's the umpires who make the decision. And that's where we come into tomorrow, or yesterday's game, for an example. And so, um, finally, we fire that thing off, game one at 4.30. Uh, Warhawks have their opportunities to take a 3-1 lead in the top of the fifth. South Alabama answers with two in the bottom of the fifth, uh, and then strike for one in the top of the sixth. They end up winning 5-3 to three in game one. Everything's A-OK. 30 minutes later, we're supposed to fire our first pitch. All of a sudden, uh, we're going to pull the tarp out. Uh, we think it might rain again. Notice what I say, think it might rain again. Um, I pull up the radar, and I'm like, what are you guys looking at? What, what, are you, what are we talking about here? I'm looking downstairs, down on the field, and I can once again see the frustration that's building up there. Um, so then, uh, all right, we're going to start at 8 o'clock. All right. So, 
here we go, here we go, here we go, ready to go. Oh, no, uh, we think it's going to rain again. We're going to start at 8.30. <laughs> uh, we finally did start at 8.30. Uh, just, you know, things did not go good in that ball game. They lose 6 to nothing. I say all that to say, I don't know whether or not that had an effect on it, but it is frustrating. There wasn't a drop of rain that fell during that time. And I think there's something that needs to be done from, from maybe a conference standpoint or an administration standpoint where the visiting teams have to have a little more say in things because it really is a shame that they had to sit there for 12 hours. I'm talking about the ULM baseball team, nearly 12 hours. It wasn't quite 12 hours. And now you got to figure out a food situation. You try to get them something healthy. Guys, tell, tell, me, tell me whenever they got done playing, got done with everything, and got on the bus, Tell, tell me what's a healthy option to try to feed athletes at midnight or past midnight on a Sunday morning. There's not. There's not. There's not. And so what, how do you take care of the student athlete? And so, um, anyway, uh, credit those guys. They were mentally tough. They handled it. They came back on Sunday, um, a day whenever we knew it was going to rain. Magically, uh, we fired off a ball game at 1 o'clock whenever we knew the rain was coming. And... Um, Credit the Warhawks, they got out there and jumped on them. Seven runs in the, in the top of the second inning. Um, you know, kept that thing going. It started pouring. Hey, we didn't stop play. Guess what? The umpires had control of the ball game, and they said, you know what? You made us wait. We're going to play through this stuff, especially with South Alabama down. Their ops guy came out top of the fifth inning, tried to get them to stop the ball game. The umpire said, no, we're going to keep playing. Warhawks took advantage of it, got through that thing. Finally, they stopped the ball game in the bottom of the eighth inning. Said the rain is too much. Warhawks win 12 to six. Great job of those guys being mentally tough. They had three home runs yesterday. Handled their business on the road. Uh, they salvaged the game, and now they come home and uh, take on Arkansas State this weekend. They got Louisiana Tech on Wednesday. They're finishing up an eight-game road swing, and now um, you know try to see what happens. Three teams got swept. Uh, in the conference this weekend and opening weekend, so uh, they weren't one of them. And now uh, they come home and uh, try to take care of business against the Red Wolves. So uh, it, w- it wasn't a series win, but but I, I see some things with this team that continue to be different, uh, mental toughness, uh, a great work ethic, and uh, things that, um, you know, have me certainly encouraged about the future of this squad. Thanks, Nick. We'll see you later this week, bud. Thanks, Nick. Okay, guys. Voice of the Warhawks, Nick White, as he mentioned, uh, they will travel over to J.C. Love Field on Wednesday night and then Arkansas State coming in to Monroe this weekend. Let's call a quick timeout. Coming up next, our parting shots on the morning drive. Welcome back to the morning drive. <laughs> it's been Great. a long weekend, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, sure has. <laughs> but matter of fact, not even a week. It's, like it's been four days for you, right? Yeah, yeah it's, been a, it's been a while. Uh, it's good to be back in the office, back grinding away, working. How's that? Good. And the man, the myth, the legend just walked in. None other than Mr. Puffy himself. Uh, let's get to our parting shots. Most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. Our parting shots are clean and spontaneous. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. Nothing is off limits. That's the stupidest question you've asked today. Of course we don't have any computers. Our fearless hosts. But they are who we thought they were. We'll pull no punches. I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your Time to hand out some knowledge. What else do you want to know? Parting shots as we attempt to end with a bang. I love you guys so much. Bourbon Street, watch out. Boy, I hadn't heard that one in a while. Uh, that was wow. a cl- I like that one. Larry Merchant, I love that. Larry Rock. Merchant, yeah, somebody I don't get to, I just don't hear him anymore. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, that's good. sad. What you got? Well, I tell you what, kind of non-sports related, uh, but if you're a fan of movies, mm-hmm. and and we, we uh, I think a lot of us are, it's hard to believe one of my favorite films of all time, 46 years ago this weekend, The Godfather hit mm. theaters. Mm. 46 years. And I remember being like 10 years old. And my grandmother, who was very important in my life, saying, Kevo, you, she's the one that started going to be Kevo, you've got to watch this movie. It, she let me watch That's it. That's good for a 10-year-old. I, for a 10-year-old. I, I'll never forget, ever, ever, That has ever. altered your life and your it, past. It, it, but it, it turned me on to movies. And uh, that one did it. 
And I, it's, uh, God rest her soul, she was an amazing woman. She probably shouldn't have done that. But, <laughs> but I sit there while she drank a Miller Lite pony, and uh, I think it was, and smoked her, her Marlboros. And we watched The Godfather, and it was just something special. It's 46 years ago today. And you've been hooked to flicks ever since. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, Pacino and, yeah. you know, those guys, they're a dying breed, I tell you what. So I saw that, and it just brought back memories. That was the first movie I remember watching with somebody that was very, very important in my life. So, yeah. Love March Madness, go, love classic calls. And, of course, uh, last yeah. week we went through uh, play-by-play announcers that we enjoy hearing from. And, of course, this past weekend we heard a number of exceptional calls, and here was one of them. He rifles it right in front of us to Abdul Rahman at midcourt. Extra pass. And it goes for the win. The three-pointer by Jordan Poole. A freshman has won it for the Wolverines. Nestler with the call there and you know we went through the list of memorable moments from this past weekend and we didn't even mention of course uh, that improbable win or that finish of course for Michigan. That's true because there were so many there's so many to keep up with it's and we're getting text messages you know one after the other I I, I couldn't remember them all Aaron. Mm. I I know why you couldn't remember them all you I mean you didn't have a damn tv around you. And then of course I lost uh, my why I didn't lose my phone it quits working for the second time and uh, less than a month to New Orleans. I think it's just that town that does it to you. Again, there's a, that town does a lot to. Uh, yeah. Hey, real quick, I think it was Mike or uh, Mike or, uh, forgive me, uh, uh, Ty for Jonesboro. Who would you rather be, Saints fans losing to the Vikings the way they did, mm-hmm. or a Virginia fan? Mm. I, I put Saints. No, yeah. I would say rather be a Saints fan. Tyler then weighed in. The sooner yeah. uh, mid-major universities realize that there are certain sports that have an opportunity to win a national championship every year, but they continue to funnel the money to football programs who have no chance to win a national title. Case in point, Central Florida is proof of that. And he's he's right. I, I mean, uh, we, we Central know, Florida is claiming a national championship. Well, yeah, we a lot of people claim a lot of things. That doesn't, you know, I mean, you claim to be six foot five, right? Exactly. Thing. You know, I mean, you know, we, I mean, you claim to be good looking. That's so right. we just, you know, but yeah, it's what that they claim and what reality is, and it seems like there's a generation that has a problem with that anyway. Thanks for filling in today, Kevin. Oh, anytime, brother. I love having, love being here with you guys. Uh, Jake will be back tomorrow, and uh, we will have much more on the morning drive. Gus will join us. And, of course, we'll have a couple other guests lined up, including uh, Lane Burroughs will join us as now uh, the Red Hot Diamond Dogs look forward to ULM coming to J.C. Love Field on Wednesday. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.